Section 25 of Smithsonian Institution, United States National Museum, Bulletin 240, Contributions from the Museum of History and Technology, Papers 34-44 through 44 on Science and Technology by Museum of History and Technology. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Paper 43. History of the Division of Medical Sciences by Sami Hamarna. Part 2. Division of Medicine, 1898-1939. The statement by L. Emmett Holt of the Rockefeller Institute for Medical Research that before 1906 the Smithsonian Institution was never a beneficiary to medicine in any form is not entirely applicable. The previous discussion has clearly shown that the U.S. National Museum's cooperation with the Navy contributed materially towards encouraging and promoting medical knowledge. Furthermore, Dr. Flint tried to bring many of his plans for this medical division of the museum to a practical fulfillment. He devised a program for presenting medical history in a way which be of interest both to the public and to the profession. In order to best illustrate the history of the healing art, he divided his subject matter into five provisional classifications, according to the report upon the condition and progress of the U.S. National Museum during 1898. 1. Magical medicine, including exorcism, amulets, talismans, fetishes, and incantation. 2. Psychical medicine, including faith cures and hypnotism. 3. Physical and external medicine, including baths, exercise, electricity, massage, surgery, cautery, and bloodletting. 4. Internal medicine, including medications and treatment used by the ancient Egyptians, Greeks, Hindus, Arabians, and Chinese. And 5. Preventative medicine, including beverages, food, soil, clothing, and habitation. It is certainly to Dr. Flint's credit that from its early conception, first as section of Materia Medica, and thereafter as Division of Medicine, he planned for an all-embracing exhibition and reference collection of the medical sciences. Until the end of the 19th century and the early years of the 20th century, crude drugs, as well as primitive and magic medicine, held a more prominent place than medical instruments in the exhibits and collections. In 1905, Flint issued his last known literary contribution, Directions for Collecting Information and Objects Illustrating the History of Medicine, in Part S of Bulletin of the U.S. National Museum, Number 39. The emphasis he put upon this shows Dr. Flint's interest in collecting medical and pharmaceutical objects and equipment of historical value. Consequently, he arranged new exhibits including one on American Indian medicine. A medical historian, Fielding H. Garrison, inspected these about 1910, and in his An Introduction to the History of Medicine, wrote of their novelty and appeal. In the interesting exhibit of folk medicine in the National Museum at Washington, he commented, a buckeye or horse chestnut, Asculus flavus, an Irish potato, a rabbit's foot, a leather strap, previously worn by a horse, and a carbon from an arc light are shown as sovereign charms against rheumatism. Other amulets in the Washington exhibit, he added, are the patella of a sheep and a ring 
made out of a coffin nail dug out of a graveyard for cramps and epilepsy, a peony root to be carried in the pocket against insanity, and rare and precious stones for all and sundry diseases. It had been Dr. Flint's intention, besides presenting an educational display on the history of the medical arts, to warn the public against the perils of quackery and the faults of folk medicine, as well as to expose evils in drug adulteration. Today we can see actual fulfillment of these intentions in the present exhibit at the Medical Gallery, which has been executed recently on the basis of scientific historical research. After Dr. Flint's retirement from the Smithsonian Institution in 1912, there was no replacement for over five years. Thereafter, the Division of Medicine was placed, for administrative purposes, under the supervision of the curator of the newly re-established 1912 Division of Textiles, Frederick L. Luton. During these years, he fought against the dispersal of the medical and materia medica collections. Thus, for lack of a curator of its own, almost all new activities in the Division of Medicine were curtailed until 1917. On January 31, 1917, Luton addressed members of the American Pharmaceutical Association inviting them to cooperate in gathering up and preserving at the National Museum the many unique and irreplaceable objects connected with the early history of pharmacy in this country which could still be saved. Then, on March 14, 1917, an examination was announced by the Civil Service, held May 2nd, for an assistant curator for the Division of Medicine, and the position was filled by Joseph Donner on August 16, 1917. Donner was the first full-time employee paid by the Smithsonian Institution for the curatorship of this division. He held the post until January 31, 1918, when he was inducted into the Sanitary Corps of the United States Army. No significant activities in the Division of Medicine were reported during these few months. Mr. Donner was followed by a second full-time museum officer, who promoted a great amount of goodwill towards the division during his curatorship of a little over 30 years. Dr. Charles Whitebread, 1877-1963, the first pharmacist to head the division, joined the Smithsonian in 1918 and remained until his retirement in 1948, the longest service thus far of any individual in the division. Dr. Whitebread received his degree of Doctor of Pharmacy from the School of Pharmacy at George Washington University in Washington, D.C. in 1911. He entered government service late in 1915, but it was not until April 2, 1918, that he agreed to become assistant curator of the Division of Medicine. Curator Whitebread's first year was an active and challenging one, for in this new position, he began to develop a deep interest in the history of the healing arts. He made a number of important acquisitions, most of them pertaining to pharmaceutical products, synthetic chemicals, and crude drugs. He found that many specimens from the older drug collections had deteriorated to such an extent as to be worthless, and he began replacing them with freshly marketed drugs. Plans were completed for the opening of new medical exhibits and adopting, with some modifications and additions, earlier classifications set by Dr. Flint. Dr. Whitebread grouped these into the following classes. The Evaluation of the Healing Arts, a picture display of medical men prominent in American history, 
a Materia Medica display, including the history of pharmacy, and an exhibition on sanitation and public hygiene, which was later to evolve into the Hall of Health. In 1920, Dr. Whitebread added a number of specimens of medical dosage forms and pharmaceutical preparations to the division's collections. He also acquired other gifts to complete existing exhibits, illustrating the basic principles of the various schools of medicine, such as homeopathy and osteopathy, their methods, tools, and ways of thought. In 1921, a tablet machine by the Arthur Colton Company of Detroit, Michigan, was acquired and an exhibit illustrating vaccine and serum therapy was installed in the medical gallery. This was followed in 1922 by a collection arranged to tell the story of the prevention and cure of specific diseases by means of biological remedies. During the following two years, two more exhibits related to hospital supplies and sanitation were added to the rapidly developing Hall of Health exhibition, which was opened in 1924. A third exhibit, in 1925, consisted of 96 mounted color transparencies, illustrating services provided by hospitals to promote public health. Plans for the further development of the Hall of Health continued during 1926, and contacts were made with organizations interested in the educational aspects of the healing arts. As a result, several new exhibits were added. In 1926, the American Optometric Association helped in the installation of an exhibit on conservation of vision or the care of the eyes under the slogan, Save Your Vision, as a phase of health work. Other exhibits in this hall at this time were What Parasites Are, Water Pollution and How to Obtain Pure Water, Waste Disposal, Ventilation and Healthy Housing, and the Importance of Recreation purification of milk, and how to obtain pure milk, transmission of diseases by insects and animals, how life begins, prenatal and postnatal care and preschool care, duties of the public health nurse, and social, oral, and mental hygiene. With the acquiring of more medical appliances and the widening of the scope of the exhibits, more and more space was needed and attention was turned to the area of the medical gallery, which had been occupied by the Materia Medica collection for almost four decades. To gain more exhibit space, it was decided that the greater part of the crude drugs should be removed from the exhibits and be kept as a reference collection and for research. In 1926, original patent models, including those related to pharmacy, medicine, and dentistry, were transferred from the U.S. Patent Office to the National Museum. These patent models, together with other apothecary tools and the machines used in drug production, took up most of the available space. This unfortunate situation led Dr. Whitebird to turn down significant medical and pharmaceutical collections offered the museum between 1927 and 1930. Since the patent models were devised for inventions designed to simplify the practice of the health professions, Three cases of these models were displayed in the medical gallery in the early 1930s. Other exhibits shown during this decade included the deception of folk medicine with warnings against superstitions and an exhibition on osteopathy, as well as dioramas of the manufacture of medicines and their use in scientific medical treatment. 
In the meantime, Dr. Whitebread was an active contributor to the literature of the health field in various periodicals, as well as in pamphlets issued by the museum and other governmental agencies. His literary contributions, guided by the exhibits he designed and the collections he acquired, were focused on the division's collections, such as primitive and psychic medicine, and warnings against reliance on magic and superstitions in treatment, medical oddities, and the utilization of drugs of animal origin, both past and present. Division of Medicine and Public Health, 1939-1957 After taking charge of the Division of Medicine in 1918, Dr. Whitebread gave special attention to public health displays. His activities in the area were accelerated after 1924 when the health exhibit at the Smithsonian Institution was inaugurated. As the exhibits in this field increased, the division, in 1939, took the more comprehensive title of Division of Medicine and Public Health. Also in 1939, Dr. Whitebread was promoted to the rank of Associate Curator. He continued his efforts to collect more specimens of interest to medical history and to contribute to the literature. Among exhibited specimens in 1941 were a powder paper crimping machine, a portable drug crusher, an odd device for spreading plaster on cloth, a pill-coating apparatus, various suppository molds, a lozenge cutter, and an ingenious sidelets powder machine. The derivation of medicinal drugs from animal, vegetable, and mineral sources was also depicted, as were synthetic materials and their intermediates. Basic prescription materials were displayed, and rows of glass-enclosed cases held samples of crude botanical drugs from almost every part of the globe with explanatory cards giving brief, concise descriptions. The exhibition provided medical and pharmaceutical students about to take state board examinations the opportunity to study the subject in detail, especially the enormous collection of Materia Medica samples. Also in 1941, Eli Lilly and company donated an exhibit on the medical treatment of various types of anemia. In the same year, a diorama, including a hypochlorinator for a purification of water on a farm, was installed in the gallery. In 1942, the first Emerson iron lung, developed in 1931 by John Haven Emerson for artificial respiration, was acquired by the division. The division acquired in 1944 the first portable X-ray machine, known to have been operated successfully on the battlefield, as well as other X-ray equipment and early medicine chests. Without a doubt, the most outstanding accession in the field of pharmaceutical history during Whitebread's years of service was the acquisition of the E.R. Squibb & Sons Old Apothecary Shop. Most of the Baroque fixtures, including the stained-glass windows with Hessian Nassau coat of arms and wrought iron frames, were part of the mid-18th century cathedral pharmacy, Münster Apotheke, in Freiburg im Breisgau, Germany. It was offered for sale in September of 1930 by Dr. Joe Mayer of Wiesbaden, Germany, who was an enthusiastic collector of antiques, especially those related to the health professions. Earlier that year, a historian of pharmacy and chemistry, Fritz Ferchel of Mittenwald, Germany, had published a series of scholarly and informative articles on the Mayer collection in which the outstanding specimens were beautifully portrayed and thoroughly described. As a result of Dr. Mayer's efforts to sell his collection, the impact of Ferkel's illustrated articles and the uniqueness of the collection, 
E. R. Scriven Sons purchased it in 1932 and brought it to the United States with the thought that it would provide for American pharmacy, its teachers and students, a museum illuminating the history, growth, and development of pharmacy, its interesting background and struggle through the ages. It was displayed at the Century of Progress Exposition, held in Chicago during 1933 and 1934. Subsequently, it was assembled in the Squibb Building in New York City as a private museum, where for about ten years it was visited by many interested in pharmacy, ceramics, and art. Charles H. Lawall, who was originally engaged to prepare a descriptive catalog on the exhibit, gave it the title, The Squibb Ancient Pharmacy. Late in 1943, E. R. Squibb and Sons offered the collection as a gift to the American Pharmaceutical Association, if the latter would provide museum space for it. The offer was accepted, but the association finally found it difficult to spare the needed space for the collection and decided to take up the matter with the U.S. National Museum. At this point, it should be stated that since 1883, the members of the American Pharmaceutical Association have been keenly interested in having the National Museum serve as the custodian for all collected objects and records of historical interest to pharmacy. In 1944, the association officially offered to deposit on permanent loan the Squibbs Pharmacy Collection in the Smithsonian Institution, with the understanding that a suitable place would be provided for prompt and permanent display. The offer was accepted, and during April and May of 1945, the entire collection was transferred to the Smithsonian Institution and construction to recreate the original two rooms for the old 18th-century European apotheky was underway. By August of 1946, the exhibit was completed. In the large room where the pharmacist met his customers, the shelves were filled with 15th to 19th-century European pharmaceutical antiques. These included Renaissance mortars, 16th and 17th-century nested weights, beautiful Italian, French, Swiss, and German Maiolica and Fayence drug jars, Dutch and English Delft, drug containers made of flint or opal glass with fused enamel labels with alchemical symbols, rare 16th-century wooden drug containers, each with the coat of arms of the city in which each was made, and two glass-topped display tables contained franchises, issued and signed by popes or state rulers, medical edicts, dispensatories, herbals, pharmacopias, and pharmaceutical utensils. On the walls in the small laboratory room, which also had been used as a workshop and a study, were a stuffed crocodile, shark's head, tortoise, fish, and salamander, parts of which were utilized as remedial agents. Their presence provided tangible evidence that the pharmacy dispensed genuine drugs and not substitutes. The pharmaceutical profession in this country hailed the outstanding exhibition, and the November 1946 issue of the Journal of the American Pharmaceutical Association, Practical Pharmacy Edition, devoted its front cover to depicting one corner of the study and laboratory room of the shop. Also, in a letter dated January 2, 1947, addressed to Dr. Alexander Wetmore, then Secretary of the Smithsonian Institution, Dr. Robert P. Fischelis, the Secretary of the American Pharmaceutical Association, considered the completion of the deposited exhibition a triumph and as one of the highlights of the accomplishments of the Association in 1946. From 1946 to 1948, 
the division's collection was further enriched with a number of historical specimens, among which was a Grossiflamma X-ray machine with induction coil tube and stand developed by Albert B. Coet. It is one of the earliest American-made machines of its kind, producing a 12-inch spark, the largest usable at that time with 180,000 volt capacity, and a forerunner of later auto transformers. Other accessions included two 19th-century drug mills, an electric belt used in quackery, two medicine chests, three sets of Hessian crucibles used in a pioneer drugstore in Colorado, a drunkometer, mineral ores, and purely produced chemical elements. In the spring of 1948, Associate Curator Whitebread retired after 30 years of service with the U.S. National Museum. He was a pioneer in the field of health museums, and during his curatorship had developed a moribund section into a division of field-wide importance. Dr. Whitebread was succeeded by George S. Thomas, also a pharmacist, who served as associate curator from August 1948 until early 1952. During his almost three and a half years of service, Thomas acquired hearing aid appliances, from which he designed an exhibit on the development of these aids, surgical sutures, early samples of oreomyosin, and a static electricity machine made by Henkel about 1840. He also published three short articles under the title Now and Then in the National Capital Pharmacist, 1950, number 1, pages 8 through 9, number 2, pages 18 through 19 and 29, and number 3, pages 15 through 16. In early 1952, Dr. Arthur O. Morton presented to the division a Swiss-made keratometer, which he had purchased in 1907, and it is believed to be one of the first used in the United States to measure the curves of the cornea. The achievements of the division reached their highest point thus far in significantly increasing the national collection, as well as in contributing to the scientific, historical, and professional literature under the curatorships of George B. Griffenhagen, December 8, 1952, to June 27, 1959 and John B. Blake, July 1, 1957, to September 2, 1961. Their reorganization of exhibits and collections, their competence and industry, fulfilled the hopes, plans, and purposes laid down by earlier curators for the division. Immediately after assuming the responsibilities of the division, and throughout 1953, Mr. Griffenhagen, Master of Science in Pharmaceutical Chemistry from the University of Southern California, undertook to develop the collections still further. He increased the emphasis not only on historical pharmacy, but also on medicine, surgery, and dentistry. He also renovated the exhibits in the medical gallery. In 1954, several antibiotics were donated to the division, including a mold of Penicillium notatum, prepared and presented to the Smithsonian Institution by Sir Alexander Fleming, 1881-1955, the discoverer of penicillium, 1929, and a few petri dishes used by botanist Benjamin M. Dagger, who, while working for lateral laboratories, developed oreomyosin, chlortetracycline, in 1948. The Forest D. Dodrell GMR, Mechanical Heart, 1952, the first machine reported to be used successfully for the complete bypass of one side of the human heart during a surgical operation was presented to the Smithsonian Institution. 
The following year, 1955, the division acquired one of the earliest Eindhoven string galvanometers, named after the Dutch physiologist Willem Eindhoven, 1860-1927, made in the United States in 1914 by Charles F. Hendel for an electrocardiograph. Also added to the division's collections was the electrocardiograph used by Dr. Frank E. Wilson of the United States, a pioneer educator in this field. Two temporary exhibits on allergy and surgical dressings were installed in the gallery. In the same year, Curator Griffenhagen published Early American Pharmacies, a catalog on 28 pharmacy restorations in this country. In 1956, among many publications of interest in the fields of medical and pharmaceutical history was Curator Griffenhagen's Pharmacy Museum, with a foreword by Lawrence V. Coleman, who termed it a useful catalog and a good reflection of the history of the museum movement at large. A third X-ray tube of Wilhelm Conrad Röttingen, 1845-1922, was added to the collection in 1957, as well as a complete set of hospital ward fixtures of about 1900 from the Massachusetts General Hospital, rare patent medicines, 18th-century microscopes, and a 13th-century mortar and pestle made in Persia. In 1957, Mr. Griffenhagen published a series of illustrated articles in the Journal of the American Pharmaceutical Association Practical Pharmacy Edition, which were later reprinted by the association in a book entitled Tools of the Apothecary. In it, he described several pharmaceutical specimens in the collection and their place in history. Division of Medical Sciences, 1957 to present. The U.S. National Museum was reorganized on July 1, 1957, into two units, the National History Museum and the Museum of History and Technology. At the same time, and in view of the widening scope of the division, its more scientifically based planning, and the constantly increasing collection with equal emphasis on all branches of the healing arts, the division's title was changed to the Division of Medical Sciences, the title it still bears in 1964. With the reorganization, the Department of Engineering and Industries, under which the division fell administratively, was renamed the Department of Science and Technology of the Museum of History and Technology. It was also the first time since its establishment in 1881 that the division had two curators, for on July 1, 1957, Dr. John B. Blake joined the staff. As a result of these changes, the division was subdivided into a section of pharmaceutical history and health and a section of medical and dental history. The former was planned to encompass the collections of Materia Medica, pharmaceutical equipment, and all material related to the history of pharmacy, toxicology, pharmacology, and biochemistry, as well as the Hall of Health, which was opened November 2, 1957, and which emphasizes man's progressing knowledge of his body and the functions of its major organs. The latter section was planned to include all that belongs to the development of surgery, medicine, dentistry, and nursing, especially in relation to hospitals. In October of 1957, the division acquired a collection of rare ceramic drug jars, which included two 13th-century North Syrian and Persian Albero-shaped Mayola jars, 
a fifteenth-century Hispano-Moresque drug container, and a sixteenth-century Italian faience dragon spout ewer. During the following two years, curator Griffenhagen periodically toured museums and medical and pharmaceutical institutions in this country, South America, and Europe, gathering specimens and information for the division, and for publication, respectively. However, on June 27, 1959, he resigned his curatorship to join the staff of the American Pharmaceutical Association in Washington, D.C. Dr. Blake became the curator in charge of the division, and Mr. Griffenhagen was succeeded on September 24, 1959, by the author of this paper, as associate curator in charge of the section of Pharmaceutical History and Health. Dr. Blake, as curator of the section of medical and dental history, acquired a large number of valuable and varied specimens for the division's collections. They included optometric refracting instruments, an early 1920s general electric portable X-ray machine, the Charles A. Lindbergh and Alex Carroll pump designed in 1935 to perfuse life-sustaining fluids to the organs of the body, the Sewell heart pump, 1950, to control delivery of air pressure and suction to the pumping mechanism, and a large and valuable collection of dental equipment formerly at the universities of Pennsylvania and Illinois. Dr. Blake wrote the explanatory material and supervised the design and production of the majority of exhibits in the renovated hall of medical and dental history. He also contributed several scholarly articles and a book on the history of the healing arts and public health in particular. He resigned on September 2, 1961, to join the staff of the National Library of Medicine as Chief of the History of Medicine Division, and was succeeded by the author as curator of the division. From the summer of 1962 to April 1964, the division benefited from the expert advice of Dr. Alfred R. Henderson as consultant in the preparation and designing of the surgical and medical exhibits of the Museum of History and Technology. During the period from 1961 to May 1964, the division's collections expanded greatly through its medical, dental, and pharmaceutical acquisitions. Specimens of antiques acquired from 1961 through 1963 numbered up to 1,539 and included gifts from leading institutions and individual philanthropists. The scope of these gifts and acquisitions ranges from electronic resuscitators, microscopes, x-ray equipment, and spectacles, to patent medicines, amulets, apothecary tools, dental instruments, and office material of practitioners. In the last decade, the interest in the national endeavor for promoting research and scholarship in the history of medicine has increased greatly. It was most appropriate, therefore, for the Smithsonian Institution to play host on May 2nd for two sessions of the 37th Annual Meeting of the American Association for the History of Medicine held in the Washington, D.C. area from April 30th through May 2nd, 1964. In welcoming the members to the morning session in the auditorium of the New Museum of History and Technology, Frank A. Taylor, director of the United States National Museum, expressed the feeling that the meeting of the association was in a sense a dedication of the new auditorium and an opportunity for the Smithsonian to reaffirm its deep interest and commitment 
in fostering research and furthering the appreciation of scholarly endeavor in the history of the healing arts. A New Dimension for the Healing Arts One day the United States will have a National Museum of Science, Engineering, and Industry, as most large nations have. This was the prediction made in 1946 by the director of the U.S. National Museum, Mr. Frank A. Taylor, then curator of the Division of Engineering. It was in 1963 that the new $36 million building of the Museum of History and Technology was completed and opened to the public in 1964. The offices of the Division of Medical Sciences, as well as the reference and study collections, were moved to the fifth floor of the new building. The exhibits, however, will be displayed in the gallery at the southwest corner of the first floor. These exhibits, it is hoped, will show a new dimension and an unprecedented approach in displaying the development of the healing arts throughout the ages and the instruments and equipment associated with health professions. They also present the expanding objectives and plans of the division's growth as an integral part of the Smithsonian Institution. Conveniently, the exhibits form four closely connected halls and one large gallery, which will be open to the public in the summers of 1965 to 1966. One, the Hall of Health, displays models and graphic and historical exhibit materials to demonstrate the function of the various healthy organs of the human body. The main topics emphasized are embryology and childbirth, tooth structure, the heart and blood circulation, respiration, the endocrine glands, kidneys and the urinary excretory system, the brain and the nervous system, the ear and vision and the use of eyeglasses. The most appreciated exhibit of all in this hall is the transparent woman figure, which rotates automatically every 15 minutes with a recorded message describing the function of each major organ of the body at the same time that the organ is electronically lighted so that the viewer can see its place in the body. 2. The Hall of Medicine and Dentistry will depict the history of these two sciences with exhibits of the equipment used through the centuries. In the medical field, early treffening and other surgical instruments will be displayed, along with a diorama of an 1805 surgical operation performed by Dr. Philip Singh Physic in the amphitheater of the Pennsylvania Hospital. Diagnostic instruments such as stethoscopes, endoscopes, speculums, and blood pressure measuring devices will be exhibited with a series of microscopes illustrating the development of these instruments. Exhibits of original galvanometers and other apparatus will trace the development of cardiography. The early use of anesthesia will be shown by apparatus of William Morton and Crawford W. Long, American pioneers in this field. The development of the devices of modern medicine and surgery will be shown by exhibits of the iron lung and x-ray tubes, including a tube used by W. K. Rotengen. Medicine chests and surgical kits of different periods will graphically summarize the state of medical science in the period each represents. Exhibits on the development of dentistry and dental surgery will display examples of tooth filling and extracting tools, drilling apparatus from the early hand and foot engines to the first ultrasonic cutting instruments of 1954, and the original contra-angle, hydraulic, and air turbine handpiece model, which revolutionized the field of instrumentation for dental surgery with speeds of 200,000 to 400,000 RPM. 
This hydraulic turbine of Dr. Robert J. Nelson and Associates of the National Bureau of Standards set the design pattern for the remarkable and successful high-speed air turbine handpiece developed by Paul H. Tanner and Oscar P. Nagel of the U.S. Naval Dental School in 1956. Also underway is the reconstruction of the offices of famous dentists, such as G.V. Black and the father of American orthodontia, Edward H. Engel, using their original equipment and instruments. In addition, an exhibit is planned to include X-ray tubes and the electric dental engine, the first to be operated in a human mouth by the pioneer dentist on dental skiography, Charles E. Kells, 1856-1928. 3. The Hall of Pharmaceutical History will feature exhibits on the reconstruction of two pharmacy shops, an 18th-century apothecary shop, originally from Germany, with a very elegant collection of drug jars, decorated medicinal bottles, balances, mortars, and pestles, and other tools, and documents pertaining to the apothecary art, and a late 19th-century American drugstore with shelves filled with patent medicines and drug containers of various sizes and shapes. The window will also feature symbols of pharmacy and beautiful showglobes, Displays will show the development of antibiotics and the early tools used in the manufacture of the so-called miracle drugs, including a mold from Sir Alexander Fleming, the discoverer of penicillin. In addition, a platform will be reconstructed to display a variety of pharmaceutical apparatus used in the preparation and manufacture of drugs, such as tablet and capsule machines and drug mills and percolators. Recently, with the assistance of Professor Glenn Sonnedecker, the division acquired a fine collection of pharmaceutical equipment and devices from the School of Pharmacy of the University of Wisconsin. Since the division houses the largest collection of Materia Medica in the country, a representative cross-section of crude drugs will be displayed in alphabetical order, as well as a display illustrating the role of chinchona and antimalarial drugs in the fight against disease. An exhibit will portray the origin of drugs from the three natural kingdoms, animal, vegetable, and mineral, together with synthetic drugs, including the manufacture of vitamins. Plans are being made for an elaborate exhibit of weights and balances used in many countries throughout the centuries, their impact on accuracy of dosage and weighing of drugs, and their use in the apothecary art. The division will also display pictorial and printed materials as well as artifacts from all periods and all countries. These collections are intended to help in presenting a more complete picture of the story of medical sciences for educational purposes and research, and to increase man's knowledge in fighting disease and promoting health. Thus, from a few hundred specimens of crude drugs in the section of Materia Medica of 83 years ago, there has developed a museum division today which embraces the evolution of the health professions through the ages. The division now has the largest collection in the Western Hemisphere of historical objects which are related to the healing arts. The reference collections are available to the researcher and scholar, and the exhibits are intended for pleasure and educational purposes in these fields. The plans for expansion have no limitation as we keep pace with man's progress in the medical science and continue to collect materials that contribute to the historical development in the fight against diseases and the attempts to secure better health for everyone.
End of section 25.